Hey, welcome to the Living the Dream podcast. This is your host, Timmy Douglas, and the goal of this podcast is to create a community that inspires action, accountability, celebrates progress, and helps people make the right connections to take that next step towards their dreams and goals. If you're looking for any one-on-one coaching to pinpoint your purpose and start taking steps in that direction, make sure to contact me on my website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, or on social media. On that note, let's get into the show. All right, what up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have Brian Gillette, who is an executive coach, author, speaker, facilitator, and ultra-distance athlete. Brian, how you doing? I'm doing well, Timmy. It's good to be on your show. Of course. No, it's good to have you on, and we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great. Yeah, what I like to do for fun. So, I mean, you hit some of the key points. Um, I really think there's kind of three aspects of, of who I am. One, I'm, I'm a dad of two boys and, and a husband, um, live in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area. The I also, I, I enjoy adventure. So all things adventures, whether it's running, whether it's cycling, whether it's traveling. And, and then on the work side, I do executive coaching or facilitate teams. So a team's trying to come together. They're trying to figure out where do we need to go in the next couple of years and how do we coalesce around that in order to make sure we're going in the right direction, we're doing the right things, we're measuring the right things. And so, so that's a little bit fun. I love to travel. Um, and, and, you know, when I talk about big goals, one of them is to hit all seven continents. So I need, uh, one more to do that Antarctica. So starting to look at, that's one of the dreams that, okay, figure out how do you, how do I make that happen? And then my wife and I just kind of in the last week, we just booked a, a trip to Alaska this January okay. to see, to see the Northern lights. So anytime I get a chance to travel. Um, I'm going to take it and I'm, we're very deliberate about getting our kids out to travel. So I love it. We spent, I spent a year traveling around the world with our two boys and took them out of school and just a phenomenal experience. So that, that's kind of a little bit about the fun. I enjoy, I enjoy mountain biking. I enjoy road biking, enjoy running and, um, just to, you know, it's good to stay in shape. Plus it, uh, it also pushes me into new areas. Yeah, absolutely. Where's your favorite place that you've been? You know, I don't, you know, I can't answer like one favorite place. I've got like, I loved Botswana and just seeing all the animals in Botswana. Um, I loved parts of, uh, um, of South America and the different types of foods and going through Patagonia. Um, and so, you know, I, we went down a couple of years ago to Tahiti. I had been there before. So that's beautiful. Um, so I, it's there's so many different places, but there's no one thing that stands out. It's like this is my favorite. Um, mm, yeah, it's I got you. Yeah, I mean, I can I can look at places like you know I've gone in and I've known people because they're friends of friends, and and it, it makes the country so much better. You know, where you eat food, um, you know, and and you can just kind of feel that or you know taste that food. That just makes it you know a wonderful place to go. So. All sorts of places. I'll, you know, I'll go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. There we go. And so as an executive coach, you're saying you're really helping teams get clear on a goal and get to that goal. Is that right? And kind of unify? Yeah. So when I'm working with teams, that's often a big thing. You know, I'll, I'll get called in by, you know, some of the, one of the executives and say, Hey, you know, two things, two, two things I'm generally working on. One is we want to figure out where we, where we want to go for the next couple of years. 
And so help us put that together and then help us kind of coalesce around that strategy. Or the other one is, you know, we've got these group of people and they're just not optimal as a team. And how can we best kind of start to pull them together? And so I'll work in that situation. The executive coach, I'm also, I'm often working with individual leaders and, you know, they're, they're often, you know, high potentials in the company and the company wants to continue to reward them and get them even higher, move them up into the next level. And so I'm working with them to, uh, Help them understand a little bit more who, how they lead, where they can be more effective, where they may have some derailers, things like that. I got you. I got you. Okay. And so once you help, what's the first barrier you run into? So after the point of clarity with generating KPIs. So what's the barrier after they do that? So like you've gotten clarity on yeah. where you want to go, but now you need to decide what you need to measure. What is one of the first barriers you run into when deciding KPIs? Um, I mean, I think the biggest barrier is figuring out what are the right KPIs. Yeah. Um, and, and so there's a whole lot of barriers to get there. When you get there, then there is talk, there's discussion around, okay, how do you measure it? And often uh, people, when you, you ask, okay, so how are we going to measure our success in that? And people will often measure or kind of say, well, well, we can measure X. So that should be our measurement. Mm -hmm. And I say, well, let's back up because just because you me can measure it, just because it's easy to measure, doesn't mean that's the right measurement. Um, and so what would success look like in the eyes of your customer? It's funny because I was teaching a leadership class uh, yesterday and somebody asked me a similar question and they say, hey, you know, how, do, you know, how, do, we, how do we measure this? And, you know, they were in a quality assurance function and they're trying to figure out how do they measure it. And I said, well, how would your customer, whether that's an internal customer or an external customer, you know, how would they measure, define whether you're successful? And so that's kind of one way you can start to look at it. Um, but there's, there's a whole bunch of challenges, you know, to get to that KPI. I think once you get to KPI, the KPI or, you know, those MBOs, whatever you call them, um, you've, you've made some good headway. Yeah. Yeah, no, but, absolutely. I really, I really like that idea of what would your customer, how would your customer measure success? Because ultimately that's what makes the company successful, right? It's like right. customers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and it's, it doesn't have to be the end customer, the person who bought the product, because maybe you're an internal facing function and, you know, maybe you're human re I spent most of my career in human resources, or maybe you're engineering, you know, what would, what would the marketing team define it as success? What, what, what would the end customer, how would they define it? Yeah. Um, and then that's, that's where you can start to figure out, okay, how do we, how do we measure that? But too often, you know, teams or, or, or groups will start off with, you know, well, we can measure X. Yeah. That, that's great but will it tell you what you want? Yeah, yeah, no. I It kind of re reminds me of the difference between being effective and being like busy. Like right. you're getting a lot done, but it's not effective stuff versus like measuring one thing that is effective. Right. Yeah, yeah, and, and it, it's funny because I was talking to you know a woman who's doing some marketing for me and and she's doing a lot of stuff but it hasn't resulted in some things that I want. And it's like, okay, there's, there's action and then there's results. Yep. And, and, and it's good to have actions, but if the action doesn't uh, get to results, it doesn't matter. 
I mean, I, uh, you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about this. I, I've done a lot of ultra distance events, whether it's cycling or running. And I, on my, you know, the watch I have can measure probably a hundred different data points. You know, it's pace of your run. It's the pace of the last mile. It's your heart rate. You know, it's just, it's the speed. It's your, you know, rotation. So it can measure all these things. So, you know, let's say there's a hundred things. And, and when I'm getting ready to do an event, I look at what are the three things I don't need to look at all hundred because that's just too much data, but what are those three points or four points that I really should be looking at? And that could change over time. Yeah. So what I measure this month, it's like, okay, I, I don't need to measure, you know, I, I got that under control. Like I have a good sense of if, when I'm cycling, how fast my legs are spinning or what my heart is beating at. So I'm not going to measure that because I know just intuitively, okay, it's probably 135 beats per minute. Yeah. Um, but what is it that I really need to focus on? It's like then it's like get those measurements. So just because you can get the data, just because it can be easily and you can see 100 points on your watch, you know, look at the ones that matter most. No, for sure. Absolutely. I love that. Well, tell us a bit more about your motivation. What really gets you up and keeps you going every day? <laughs> so... Uh, you know, at, at my core, and we talked a little bit about this. I love, I love adventures, and and so how do I how do I make sure that is a part of what I'm doing? I like to tr kind of try new things, um, and so you know, my a, a couple of a couple of months ago, back in in uh, March and April, um, there was a lot going on in Ukraine. And, you know, we're, and still is, and we're, we're watching what's going on. And, and I looked at my wife cause I'd seen another friend trying to help out. And I said, you know, why don't we go over and try to raise some money, go to Poland and see what we can do there. And it was just this great big adventure. And, and it was, it was also one of these things that, you know, we have the means to do it. We, we can, it seems exciting. We can help out in a way. And so that just those types of things just draw to me. That's why I love to I love to travel. Um, yeah. And so, you know, going through pan, the pandemic was a bit of a challenge, you know, and, and I, I, I got to say this a little tongue in cheek because the challenges I was dealing with with the pandemic were just pale in comparison with so many other people dealt with. Um, but it's like, oh, I, I can't I can't get out. Yeah. And, and so I had to figure out, all right, how can I still feed that part of who I am, you know, in the house or around the house or with just the, the four of us, my two kids and, and my wife or, or my parents and, you know, who live, live close by. And so that kind of drives me. In the, and then what also drives me is always kind of pushing to go a little bit further, to be a little bit better. Um, and that's why I love the ultra events because you can, you can do one and then, okay, you know, Next year, you can kind of push it up a notch and do, you know, you start off with a marathon and then maybe and then do 50 miles and then you run 100 miles and then it's like, OK, do 200 miles. And so there's always that. Oh, how do you push yourself a little bit uh, further so that that drives me, it excites me and keeps it gets me up in the morning. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So you ran a 205 mile race. Is that correct? Correct. correct. Tell me what's going through your mind when you're running for that long. <laughs> <laughs> you know, a, a lot of times it's just keep moving, look at the, look at the trail in front of you because you're on an uneven trail. So this was around Lake Tahoe. Um, so the elevation ranges from anywhere from about almost 6,000 feet to almost 10,000 feet. 
And so, and you're running at times in the middle of the night and you're running when you're sleep deprived. So for me, it was kind of 76 and a half hours. And, you know, I really, for the first time, I really slept about 60 hours in and I slept for 90 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, and so when you get to that point, you know, early on, you can be thinking of big, important things. <laughs> but when you get to you get later on in the race, it's like, OK, I just need to get to the next aid station. And you're looking at the you're looking at the trail in front of you. And I remember at night I'd be running along and I would see these rocks and you know, we're out in bear country. And every time I'd see a rock, I would think it was a bear and it kind of uh, spooked me a little bit. Yeah. Um, but then you got to play these games in your head to, to kind of get through the pain, get through the challenges you're, you're faced with. Um, and, and, and that's part of, you know, people often say, oh, that's, I could never physically do that. And it's like, it, physically is not the problem. It's a, yeah. it's a mental game when you're doing something that long. Yeah, for sure. So tell us about, tell us about that mental game because right now I've been waking up at five 30 with my fiance and going to the gym and every day I wake up at five 30 and I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, why, why do I continue <laughs> to do this? Cause <laughs> it's your fiance <laughs> and you want to make sure she's happy, Timmy. That's why you're doing it. <laughs> exactly. But it's just, it's so easy to get in your head and I like wake up and I sit up in bed and I'm like, I could literally just lay back down right now and it would be the easiest thing ever. I <laughs> go back to sleep and that would be okay. Or the night before it's like, it's 930 and it's time to go to sleep. I'm like, I'm too bored to go to sleep. <laughs> I yeah. want to go to sleep right now. <laughs> but I got to get up early. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And so just tell me about some of those mental games you're playing. It's mile. 188 and you're like i've so much more to go but i'm also so close to where i'm at like you know it's, it's funny it's it mile 188 is my i only have half a marathon left pretty much it's this thing's almost done i've got it no problem so mile 188 is easy okay um mile 125 is hard <laughs> because man i just i'm just over halfway yeah. <laughs> or mile 100 is like Okay, I, I'm tired now. I've only gone halfway. Yeah. I got a long, I got another, you know, 36 hours to go before I, I finish this thing. So that's the hard one. Um, you know, it, it's, I, I don't like getting up and going to the gym. And, and so I'm, I don't. And I figure out what is it that will get me out? Because I, I, I have to move. You know, you got to exercise, you got to stay fit. And so I figure out what is it that I enjoy and how, how can I balance out that joy and that, that need to, to exercise. And I enjoy going out for a bike ride. I enjoy going out for a run. Um, and especially if there's, there's a friend and I think you hit on the, the, one of the biggest things is man at five 30 in the morning, I, I just, I, I could just go back into bed. Mm -hmm. and and i often say the hardest part of exercise is getting out the door absolutely <laughs> when you when you get i mean when you get up and you get dressed you're like 80 percent there and when you walk out the door it's like i'm up i'm dressed i might yep. as well go so because you're not going to go back to bed um so i mean there's a couple of things to look at it's like why are you doing this you know, what is it? You know, I, I as for the book, um, Epic Performance, uh, Lessons of 100 Executives and Endurance Athletes on Reaching Your Peak. 
I interviewed obviously a hundred people. Uh, most were executives, and you know, about seventy-five percent were executives, and twenty-five percent were ultra-distance athletes. And what I heard over and over is, you got to really understand where your passion is and why you're doing it. And and to kind of share one of the stories, which is sports-related, and I've got a number that are work-related. But I was uh, I was talking to one CEO. He was training for an Ironman. Or you know, when he had trained for an Ironman, I said, what keeps you going? I asked a similar question that, that you asked. And he said, you know, my uncle died effectively because he was just too fat. He was, he was overweight. And, you know, he, he hurt his back. He got stuck on the couch. He couldn't move. He kept gaining weight, made it harder to move, gained more weight, harder to move, gain. And, you know, effectively, he just died on the couch. And this executive told me, he goes, you know, I didn't want that to happen to me. Mm. So when I'm tired and I don't want to get up at 530 in the morning and exercise, I think of him and I think I don't want that. So kind of goes back is, is, you know, why are we doing this? You know, why are you, what is it that, why is it you're going to the gym? Um, And what's that bigger purpose? So it's really understanding that kind of that bigger purpose. And, and, you know, for me, you know, getting up at, you know, there were times I'd get up at three in the morning, run 30 miles and, you know, knowing it was going to be either 80 or like 95 degrees out, or it was going to be raining sometimes. It's like, I knew that I got to put the pain in, I got to deal with the pain now because it make me stronger when I get to uh, the start line and in order to get me to the finish line. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Tapping into that why, tapping into the, just the motivation behind stuff and it makes it real, right? It makes it, um, it brings the importance of it that is maybe 20 years out, right? Like the effect of not dying on the couch is 20, 30 years out. But right. But I, I love what you're doing is you get up at 530 in the morning with your fiance is you've got that accountability partner. Mm-hmm. And and so and I find that, it, you know, I'll go out and I'll ride with friends and, you know, if one of the friends can't make it or, you know, I just have to go by myself, it's harder because eh, it's just me, you know, but if I know that there's somebody else that's relying on me, then I don't want to let them down. And so that's why I think it is good to have an accountability partner, have somebody that's, that's going to meet you at the gym. Yep. And you don't want to call them at 530 and say, Hey, you know, I'm tired. Uh, it's like, what are you wimping out, Timmy? Yeah. <laughs> yep. um, so ha- I, I think having an accountability partner is huge. So, I love that. Uh, could you talk to us a little bit more? Were you, were you about to say something? No, no, that's good. Go ahead. Awesome. Could you talk to us a little bit more about, accountability in the workplace in teams because i noticed that i so i'm 23 right now and i've been really jumping into entrepreneurship heavily in the past year and a half because i want to generate enough revenue to replace my w2 so i realized i couldn't be consistent with anything until this podcast and the reason i was consistent with this podcast is because i had to interview guests (laughs) and Mm -hmm. like they scheduled it and they were expecting me to be there at 5 p.m and 6 p.m central time every like Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, or whatever it is to Monday, Wednesday, Thursday. And um, I showed up because of that. And now I have a daily podcast. And so could you just tell us a little bit more about accountability and specifically positive accountability, like not incorporating punishment, but more pulling people towards a goal? 
Yeah, I mean, it, I, I mean, I think you hit on some of the key points and is, you know, get other people involved. You know, it, it, this is if you want to hold yourself accountable. Is that what you're looking? Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, the key thing is, is like, tell somebody, you know, and once you tell somebody, because, because when I have just an idea or something that I'm working on, and I just keep it in my head, if I don't do it, there's no, no ramifications. But when I tell somebody, then they're going to ask me about it. And, and I'll give you an example, you know, writing a book was no easy task. It takes, it takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, and there was no deadline that it's like, oh, I have to have it by this time. You know, I was purely kind of whenever I wanted to get it done. But I would tell people, and I was like, oh, yo, hey, Timmy, I'm, I'm working on this book. And maybe I know I'm not going to see you for another three months or four months. When I do see you, there's a chance you're going to ask me about the book. And I don't want to, and let's say the last time I was 20% done and you ask me three months later, I don't want to tell you the same story. Oh, I'm 20% done. Yeah. Or, you know, three months down the line. Oh yeah, you know, I'm, I'm working on it. Well, what percent done are you? I'm 20%. Well, that's what you were the last two times I asked you. Yep. So there is that you tell people what you're doing and when you expect it. And I found this with the book. It got to a point where it's like, I, you know, I'm telling people and they're asking me and I'm asking me how it's going and I'm telling them the same answer. I need to change that. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm holding myself accountable. The other thing is find somebody that you can trust that will, will hold you accountable. And it may just be, you know, you go and I wouldn't do it on a spouse or I ask somebody else. You can, you can do it on the spouse, but you know, try to get somebody else that will just ask you, like, hey, I want you to ask me every month where I am on this fill in the blank. And if I give you the same answer that I gave you last time, you know, I give you permission to say, what, what, you're not doing anything, I, whatever it is. Yep. So give that person the permission to hold you accountable. Um, and then, you know, oh, yeah, I'm going to be seeing Brian in a couple of weeks. I better get my butt moving and get something done. Yeah. But I, I mean, I think accountability is a, a, a big issue. And um, how do you how do you hold yourself accountable? Um, the, the other thing you can do is, are there certain rewards that you can give yourself when you reach a certain goal? You know, so if you know, hey, you know, I want to do, uh, you know, 200 podcasts. Um, and that's that's a big, big, oh, that's a lot, um, as you as you know, yep. is all right. <laughs> I got to get, I got to get 25 done. So when I get 25, I'm going to reward myself with fill in the blank. You know, if, if you, if you like, you know, want to go to a nice restaurant, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go out to this nice restaurant or I'm going to go get an ice cream or whatever it is, but think what motivates you. And it doesn't have to be big, but it's like, okay, yeah, that's, or I, I I'm going to take a day off. Yeah. What, whatever it is, but have some sort of what's that motivate, what's that reward you get when you reach that goal? Yeah, no, absolutely. I love it. I think um, rewarding yourself is key. I've noticed that um, I have been quick to, a lot of us can be, especially entrepreneurs can be our t own toughest critic, which is good for extreme mm -hmm. ownership, but it also has a con when you get a win and you just focus on the loss of like, yeah. okay, so I got my first sales call, but I didn't close it. Or yeah. now I'm getting six sales calls a week, but I'm not hitting my close rate. And 
there's so many things that you can um there's always amazing things happening and there are always horrible things happening and i like that idea of rewarding yourself because it puts emphasis and focus on the wins and where your attention goes it'll like grow whatever you focus on so. yeah i mean you're, you're spot on timmy and you know and another thing that that to kind of think about is how do you build in an acceptable level of failure mm. so you know, one of the guys I uh, spoke to, um, a just a, a phenomenal CEO. He now coaches a lot of exec CEOs, um, and he's an also he's a really good golfer. Um, and you know, he plays on the pro am. He's the am part of the pro, so he's the amateur. But he's 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 a very competitive golfer. And he says, when I when I go out to golf, I know every every hole is not going to be perfect. So I give myself permission, permission to have two bogeys. And now if those two bogeys happen on the first two holes, I tell myself, I said, well, I gave myself two bogeys. I got them. I don't have any more left. Mm. And so it's that mindset. And, and I remember, I remember when I was training, I had, I had, uh, I was, I was running or biking six days a week for, you know, almost a year. Actually, it was over that because I had completed a hundred miler before, um, and and I told myself, you know, I will give myself three days where if I don't want to exercise, you know, I don't want to go out and run, I don't want to go out and ride, I get this get out of jail card in essence. Yeah. Now, it, it was if there was an injury that was different because you, you got to protect yourself, but um, it was just like I just don't want to. I want to stay in bed. Yeah. And and so I gave myself that permission that over the course of the next year, I've got these three days that I can use them. No questions asked. And and, and so it's free. Um, and and coincidentally, surprisingly, I didn't use any of them um, yeah. because because I would get up and it was like it was raining and it was four in the morning. And I thought, oh, man, this would be a good day to stay in bed. But then I thought, you know. If it's raining on race day or race weekend, I should say, I'm going to be stronger if I go out and, and train today. Mm -hmm. So what are those things you can give yourself? So, you know, if you make 10 sales calls, you know, not all 10 are going to be successful. Yep. So it's like, okay, of the 10, nine of them can be fail failures and one can be a success. So on your ninth fail, it's like, okay, the next one's got to be a success. Yeah. So you know, give yourself permission to uh, fail. I love it. There we go. Well, now we're going to jump into your dreams and goals. So tell us about your vision for your company and your life. Yeah. Um, the, the, from the company perspective, I, I'm doing exactly what I, what I wanted to do. Um, you know, I get to choose, I get to kind of choose the clients I want to work at work with and when there's a client that comes along, it's like, you know, that's maybe that's not my my for you know, m m what I enjoy doing. I can say no to it. Um, so I've got that business that's coming in. And and so I it, it allows me to work with some really smart people and some really, really good people. Um, now my focus is on how do I build the book bigger into the brand? Um, and, and so how do you get more speaking engagement, more keynotes is, is one of the things that, that I'm focusing on because it's, it's all about how, you know, you know, fundamentally the book is how do you get people to think a little bit bigger than they did yesterday? 
Yeah. Um, and I mean, when we look back over these last three years, there's things that, you know, three years ago we would have said were impossible. And we did a lot of things in the last three years, like sending everybody and working from home. <laughs> you know, yeah. Yeah, a lot of things we did were, were impossible. And so so that's it. So I, I think you, you said, you know, dreams uh, in the personal life as well, your kind of career and personal life. Absolutely. Yeah, so travel's important, it, you know, kind of the bigger dreams, all seven continents, all 50 states um, is is where I want to want to go to. You know, you know, I also want to drive across the United States with my wife. I have two uh, two boys, and so one will be going into college in a couple of years. So he's middle of high school and then the other one will be in high school next year. And so they will eventually go off to college and we'll go we'll go travel more um, is what we do. So and and then figuring out and this is where my my wife and i are really looking at is what is that legacy that we want to live when we're gone you know how do we set up some sort of endowment that can support the things that that are important to us and continue to make a dis difference you know in, in you know long long after we're gone yeah for sure where are you guys leaning on the legacy piece right now if you don't mind me asking in terms of like where the endowment would be focused or yeah no i mean there's a couple things that um i've always been interested in education um is one area and and it's just you know if if kids can get a strong education you know they can do anything yeah. um and then you know my dad was a foster kid and you know all statistics you, you put any look at any statistics he should be either dead or in jail so, and he didn't. He's, yeah. you know, next year, my, he and my, my mom will be married for 60 years. You know, just a phenomenal father, um, great businessman. And so he defied all odds and you know, did what, uh, unfortunately, not a lot do. Yeah. And so how do, how do I help, you know, folks that are in a tough situation like that to give them their, that chance to be successful? Um, you know, one of the things I haven't tapped into that I'm starting, you know, I'll probably start to explore in the next couple of years is working with the prison system. Um, you know, there's, there's intellectual capital there that is just sitting in a box. Now, there's probably a good reason they're sitting there, but when they come out, there's just the numbers just indicate that they're going to go back in. Yeah. And, and so is there something I can do to decrease their chances of going back in there? Um, you know, and, and it's, there's some selfish reasons because as a taxpayer, I don't want to tax, I don't want to pay, but there's also that non-selfish reason is like, they don't want to be there. They probably want to be, you know, most in most cases, and they want to probably be doing something more productive with their life and in society. Mm -hmm. And so is there a way that I can help in that? And I haven't answered that question yet, but it is something that has been on my mind for many years. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. No, I love that. Do you think it's uh, from the prison perspective, do you think it's a matter of stability when they come out, a matter of education while they're in so that they come out with the right education, a matter of community? Um, you know, you're, you're probably... Yeah, you're probably right on on all those, Timmy. And, and I just I don't have enough knowledge to know at this point. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, I got to think just intellectually and kind of my gut that you're you're probably right on those things. You know, they come out, 
And you know, as somebody who spent you know entire career in human resources, if I looked at a resume and I saw somebody was you know was a felon or spent time in prison, that resume is not going to get further. It's going to get much further. And is that was that right of me? <clears throat> Probably not. Um, but you know, as uh, when you hire people, it's all it's this risk reward, and it's like, all right, maybe I need to go to the next person. And so, you know, how do you? How do you try to get them into a stable environment? If they come out and can't get a job, you know, yeah. then they can't get money, yeah. and and they're gonna they're gonna need money, so they're gonna go get money, and they may not get it in a legal manner. And it's gonna shoot them back in. So I, I I'm not an expert in this area. I just don't have enough knowledge. But I I think you probably hit on the the, the big ones of why it happens. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it just it uh, it drives me crazy. So it's like, all right, is there is there something I can do? to help, even if it's a little bit. Yeah, no, I love that. Well, awesome. If there were one or two people that you could meet right now, and this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take the next step towards these dreams and goals, who would they be and how would they help? Oh, I love that question. Um, I, you know, I, I think you're talking to almost, almost any president would yep. be, would be pretty cool. Um, just to understand kind of, how the heck did they get there? Um, yeah. and, trying and to be president? No, no, no. I'm not trying to be president. <laughs> Just I, I, I'm interested in kind of how people get to that point. Um, you know, how do you, how do you get get there? Um, and so it's it, it just fascinating. I think one of the things that I most enjoyed about the, the writing this book is being able to interview the hundred people. You know, I would love to keep interviewing people because and and you get to do it all the time. So. I think it's fun to talk to people that are way smarter than I am and and just have some interesting stories. And I, and I get it. It's like, it's cool. So, um, yeah. Sounds like you got a podcast in there. Do you have a podcast? I don't No, I, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm going to leave it to the experts. You're, you're the expert in that, Timmy. I'm going to, I'm going to let you uh, do that. I'll come on and, <laughs> you know, it, it, you know it, life is all about kind of figuring out what is it you're good at? What is it you want to do? Mm-hmm. And and so if I were to go down the podcast route, I could do it, but it would take time away from other things that I would I would enjoy. You know, I'm I'm getting ready to teach a a graduate course up at uh, the university not far from my house where I got my master's, and it's like okay, I, I want to spend time doing that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it's 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 going to be fun. I'm going to enjoy it. I hope. Um, uh, and so it's really, if you're going to do one thing, you got to, you got to take something else off the plate. And right now I've got a, enough on the plate that I, uh, I don't want to add other, too many other things on there. Yeah. Yeah. No, makes sense. Makes sense. Well, how about you name the most important one or two things that everyday people can do to help you accomplish your goals? So you run into Sally at the grocery store and Sally's sitting there and she's like, Brian, how can I help you do what you want to do? What would you tell them? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing right now, I'm really focusing on getting more word out about the book mm-hmm. and um, and kind of raising the visibility there. And so I think what I would look at her is, all right, does your company want to bring me on in order to kind of talk about talk to your folks about how they can be more successful kind of longer term, um, how they can strive you know, to, to bigger goals, either personally or professionally. 
you know, how, how they can, how they can persevere through difficult situations. Cause you know, that, that's when you're running 200 miles, that's what you have to learn to do. Yeah. And, and talking to all these people, I learned it from them. So that would be the, the biggest thing that I would be looking for at this, at this point. It's like, all right, how do you, how do you get me into your company or get me in front of uh, you know different groups? Yeah, there we go. And now we're going to jump into our thriving three. First question is what is your favorite book? movie or podcast pick one favorite book movie or podcast i will go with movie and i will have to say the great escape it's mm -hmm. it's 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 a world war ii movie um i'm not a huge world war ii buff but every time this movie comes around if i'm flipping through the tv and i see him part way through um there's a good chance i'm gonna stay <laughs> Love it. Love it. There we go. And what is one way you like to take care of yourself? Get out for a, a bike ride. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's quick. If I'm if I tend to be a little tense and my wife notices that I'm a little short with the kids or a little short with her, she'll say, hey, hun, you know, have you thought about going for a bike ride? And that's a that's her uh, euphemism for saying you're annoying me. Get out of here and go for a bike <laughs> ride. You'll be a much nicer person when you return. <laughs> I gotcha. I gotcha. And what is one action step you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to meet and talk to a president? Oh, I love that question. Um, you know, I, what I would probably what I could probably do is talk to my uh, one of my congressmen and then that would make a connection to a connection that you know to, could get, could potentially get me there i feel that i feel that i think you could wow that's crazy we really can't all just go talk to a congressman and they're probably like two or three away you know you know and it's funny because um for me i i ran a couple political campaigns in the uh in the area um and and so I was able to connect up with our local congressman um, for an endorsement um, on these on these two campaigns. So it wouldn't be that it wouldn't be that difficult to make that connection. And I know his his chief of staff. So there's, you know, a, a lot of times people will say, oh, you know, I could never do it. It's like, oh, you know, I, I love, you know, and I talk about it in the book. It's like, OK, what's one small thing you can do in the next 72 hours? Yeah. And how do you how do you move forward? It's just you don't start a marathon by running a marathon. You start it by running one mile. There we and go. Then, and then two miles. I love these questions, Timmy. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad I could ask him. Glad I could ask him. So does that mean you're going to reach out to your local congressman? You know, I, 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 I think I have to think about that one. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. And now we're going to jump into our final series of questions. So these are questions that I did not send beforehand. So if you don't know the answer, feel free to say, I don't know. They also require a bit of pretext. So stick with me as I read them. Okay. All right. So a lot of people have come on the podcast and they've said that the catalyst that helps people change from having a fixed mindset, not willing to accept help and not willing to accept change to having a growth mindset, being willing to accept help and being willing to accept change. The catalyst that helps people make that switch is a personal choice that happens after either extreme inspiration or extreme desperation. Do you agree, disagree, have anything to add or subtract? You know, I, I think it could probably apply to both um, of them. You know, in some people, it could be inspiration. 
that they see somebody has done something cool and it's like, oh, maybe I could do it. Yeah. Or in some in some cases, uh, you know, they see it's like, you know, they went through a, a terrible um, situation, you know, and it's like, I got to get out of this hole and that's got to I've got to change. So I, I think it could be both. There we go. Yeah, I love it. And given the same amount of inspiration or desperation, why do you think that some people make the choice to change and others don't? I, I would guess it would depend on what their their motivation is. You know, what is that? It goes back to that why. You know, the the, the guy I was talking about who he saw his his uncle, you know, just eventually die on the couch. He had a very strong why. You know, uh, and so it goes back to it's like, why am I doing this? What is that? What is that reason that is so powerful that it's going to get me to make this change? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so for those out there, so the people who experience inspiration or desperation and they change would seemingly have a strong why. But for those out there who may feel stuck right now or they're experiencing inspiration or desperation and they cannot change, what would you say to them about getting in touch with their why? So if they, if they want to make a change, so are we assuming they want to make a change? Yes. Yeah. So often what I would say is think of something really small that will move them in that right direction. And you asked the question about, okay, if you want to meet the president, you know, what, what do you do? Um, there's I often think about two ways when you're trying to get to something big is one is think of the really big, the why. But then the other one is think of the really little. It's yeah. like, what? Because sometimes that why is so big that it's like, oh, you know, it's it's too much for me to get there. Um, you know, it's like, I want to meet the president. Oh, that's too big. Yeah. But it's very easy for me to do something today that moves me in that direction. So what I would probably in that situation say, okay, what is it that you can do in the next 72 hours, similar how you asked me? next 72 hours that will move you one step closer. What is that one thing and get them to look at it? And then when that's done, what's another one? So it, it starts to build some confidence. Yep. And your confidence comes from small wins. So it builds that confidence and it gets the ball rolling. You know, you don't, you don't start a, a, a train at a fast pace. You start it really slow and then it gets up to speed. So how do you get the wheels just slowly going? Yeah. And then it starts to build some momentum. So what's that one thing? And then what repeat and repeat and repeat. There we go. I love it. And so some people need a small amount of desperation or inspiration to change and others need a larger, more consistent amount. You might be echoing yourself a little bit here, but I'm gonna ask it anyway. What do you think establishes that threshold and can it be influenced? What establishes that threat? You know, I don't know what establishes that threat threshold. Can it be influenced? Um, I, I've got to think, yeah, it can be influenced. There, there's people that, you know, you have that accountability partner, you have, you know, depending on how desperate you are, um, would, uh, could influence, depending on how, how strong that why is, could influence. You know, depending on how, you know how much pain, and so if you can, it, it, you know, you know, there's going to be pain. You know, there's going to be risk. Can you break that pain into smaller chunks? Can you break that risk into smaller chunks? Um, so, you know, that's a that's a good question. I'm not sure I, I know I know the the full answer. 
But then I, I wonder, does anybody of any of us know that? Yeah, no, that's why I'm asking the questions. If it was yeah. out there, I would have <laughs> I would have yeah. just read a book. <laughs> but um I really love that you said break the risk down into smaller chunks. It's kind of tangential here, but with real estate, I've really been I love real estate. I love real estate yeah. investing. And I've just really been trying to pick up that first property because I'm 23. And I know if I start picking up properties now, by the time I'm 43, 53, those properties are going to be paid off and cash flow on me every month, right? Right. And so I was, I've was i been having trouble picking up this first property. And I was like, um, I've read the book Who Not How recently. And Who Not How talks a lot about... Um, just when you're when you find yourself procrastinating, there's probably somebody else you need to plug into the spot. Or um, instead of asking how you can do something, ask who do I need to like come help me do this thing. And so I was like, really, I need the capital right now. I have the skills. I know how to underwrite. I know how to find them. I know how to go through the whole process. I just need the capital and the risk. I didn't know any private investors that were willing to take on that risk with somebody so new. So instead, I was like. I'm gonna get a group of 10 to 20 people who are just like me, also wanting to invest in real estate. I'll bring the skills. They bring their 500 to 1,000 a month. We start scaling our portfolio. In 30 years, we're, it's gonna be a lot bigger, but we'll each have 5% of it. So it'll kind of be the same, but we will all be at our wealth number that we wanna hit. And so that was really a way to manage that risk also hit my goal. I just thought that was a cool example. I, you know, I, I love it. And, and it's funny that you use the real estate because one of the guys I spoke to, um, he, he's a real estate, he's a vice president in technology, but on the side, he invests in real estate in the San Francisco market and, and houses aren't cheap in the San Francisco market. And, and at one point he was 90% leveraged. And yeah, so you, you know what that means. It's like, yeah. you have a, you have a lot of debt and, and you know, for, for, if you don't know what it means. And he had borrowed money from his parents who were retired. And, and so he was having a, it was, it was hard to sleep at night, you know, yeah. when the market goes up or down and, and he said, you know, what I had to do is I had to break my risk and look at what are the, what are the most likely or what, what are the things that could happen? I could lose my job. I could lose a tenant or I would have to do a major like remodel or major um, capital expenditure. Those were the three big risks that could happen. He goes, so I looked at those three. And then I assessed each one of those. So I broke it down and it's like, okay, if I lose my job, I can get a job probably fairly easy or, you know, I can put some money aside. So he would break each one down. And that's a big component of how you manage risk is we often think of the, you know, complete annihilation. Well, you know, that's the worst case scenario. What's a realistic worst case scenario and take a, uh, take a smaller version of it. And then try to break it down further. And how do you how do you tackle those small versions? And and you're that's what you're doing to manage your risk. You know, is you know you're you're diversifying. Yeah, so, yeah. absolutely. There we Love go. It. I Love it. There we go. Well, we got one last question for you. All right. So in Atomic Habits, oh, for this question, keep in mind a person who has a fixed mindset. They're not willing to accept help, and they're not willing to accept change. Okay. So in Atomic Habits, James Clear talks about the four laws of changing your behavior. And the laws are to make it obvious, make it attractive, make it easy, and make it satisfying. With that context in mind, in the avatar we just talked about, how can we, you and I, create an environment that makes it more obvious, more attractive, more easy, and more satisfying for people to, for that avatar to make the choice that will change their life? 
I think we have to ask the questions about what would motivate them. Where, where's their, where are their desires? Where are their interests? Um, we can't change them, but maybe we can open up some things that they may not have thought about. And, or maybe they're afraid to move forward with something. And so how do we ask those questions and kind of help point them in a direction that makes that fear look a little bit smaller, that risk look a little bit smaller, um, or ask the questions about, you know, when, if, when you succeed, how are you going to feel about this? And is that, is that feeling greater than the pain you're going to experience in order to get there? So I think we can ask questions and kind of help open up some of the doors for, for folks. There we go. I love it. Well, Brian, is there anything else you want to chat about before we sign off? Nah, these these were good questions, Timmy. I love I love these questions. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, if if people if people want to get my book, it's on Amazon. It's called Epic Performance: Lessons of 100 Executives and um, and Ultra Distance Endurance Athletes on Reaching Your Peak. There we go. And um, yeah, Brian, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks, Timmy. Good to, good to see you and good to talk to you. Of course, if you guys are listening to this, you heard Brian. Go ahead and go get his book. All the the link. To do that will be down in the show notes and all the links to contact him and follow him will be down in the show notes as well. As we always ask, shoot this podcast over to one to three people you know need to hear this message. Go ahead and give us a five-star review on iTunes if you liked the show. And on that note, we're out. Guys, thanks for listening. Make sure to reach out to our guests and help them accomplish their dreams and goals if you resonated with them. If you're looking for any intentional masterminds or one-on-one coaching to accomplish your dreams and goals, make sure to check out the website, workwithtimmydouglas.com, and contact me either there or on social media. That's all I got. Have a blessed day.